Welcome back to In The Spotlight. Today, I have a guest who has overcome a lot of challenges in her life, but a specific one about 16 months ago when she was diagnosed with functional neurological disorder. She, I met her only a few months ago, and the woman I met is so inspiring, determined, friendly, with a love for life. And I was fascinated to hear what she has been through only a short period of time ago. To raise awareness and to tell you a bit more about functional neurological disorders is Zefna Weston talking to me today all the way from South Africa. Zefna, thank you so much for making the time and welcome on my show. Thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure and privilege. If we rewind a little bit back, there's obviously some circumstances that I understand that led to having a functional neurological disorder. So please tell us your story. Give us a little bit of background on who is Zefna, what, what is the whole journey that your life has been through and what led up to this event that happened back in 2021? Lizel, thank you. I grew up um, on a farm quite far from the closest town in Colesburg. For those of you who don't know where Colesburg is, it is literally in the middle of South Africa, in the middle of nowhere. And people, always, everyone knows Colesburg because if they drive from Johannesburg to Cape Town, they need to pass this tiny town. And literally, if you swing out for a chicken, you will miss the whole town. <laughs> and most people would either say, oh, that's where I got a speeding fine because everybody's in a rush to go somewhere. Or that's where I, my car broke down and I had to get it fixed or I burst a tire or, <laughs> or it's so hot or it's so cold. So Colesburg is very well known, even though people have only passed it. It's, uh, it's very so similar, I, like Bloemfontein, where I come from, you know, people just normally pass it. <laughs> in fact, Bloemfontein is our closest city. Mm. Um and and really, if you want to buy anything worthwhile, then you'll drive right. two hours to Bloemfontein right. and don't try to find it in Colesburg. So I grew up on a on a on a farm. It was quite far from town, and my my parents um, made the best choice that they thought that they had at the time. And when I was very young, they sent me to boarding school. So I went to boarding school at the tender age of six, which was very, very difficult for me. Um, you can just imagine being such a, a young child, not knowing anyone and like having to do everything on your own, including tying your hair and getting dressed and making your bed. And my mom always used to say like, she would be so upset because I will get back on a Friday afternoon from school with the same hairstyle that she sent me to school on, <laughs> on Sunday nights, you know. So um, th that I just didn't know any better. But being there and being so alone has left me with so much insecurity and so much fear and really that feeling of being abandoned. And to be mm -hmm. quite honest with you, I've always been quite a free-spirited child and have, I was very bullied in school because of that and especially by older girls and always trying to either please someone else or or not being the center of attention, or uh, I was just kind of like in the background, but and I never felt beautiful. That was a really, really big thing for me. I always compared myself to everyone else in school, whether it was academics, and I did well, or whether it was sport, and I did well, but I wanted to be this absolute best. I had this obsession with being seen and being loved, and this led me 
to looking for love in the wrong places. Um, being in boarding school, I just, all I wanted to have was freedom. Like that, being stuck in that rigid sort of um, the way things were done, all that I wanted was freedom. So I wanted to go overseas. And when I turned 18, my parents were like, no, you are not going overseas yet. And I was like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? We we had a very um, humble upbringing. There was no money to send me to university. There was no like idea of where I should go, what I should study, anything like that. And so I ended up um, going to do missionary work in various areas of Africa, which was absolutely amazing. It was an incredible experience. Sure. But we only had three months of training. And the type of work that we had to deal with, we were not equipped for that. I was not equipped for that because I ended up at the tender age of 18. I literally just turned 18, That's having to deal with young children who is getting raped on a daily basis sure. or growing up in gender-based violence families or who are orphans or uh, uh, children who are diagnosed with HIV or we would be in Mozambique and I would be on the on the in the town and these people would come to me who lost legs in the war or their feet are literally like it should be not attached to their bodies anymore and then having to clean all of that there was a, and I did that for a year which was our, sure. our commitment um, and I was really really traumatized by that so after that I was like say to my parents okay I am now going overseas so I started working at the age of 14. I saved every, I started working packing shelves when I was 14 years old. And as I got older, I went, did waitressing, et cetera, et cetera. And I saved all that money. And that money was just enough to put me on a plane to London and get my visa and a backpack. So I had a backpack, I had a visa and a trip to, to um, my return ticket to London, which was valid for one year. And I was left with 42 pounds in my pocket. That mm -hmm. was it. And um, right now I think like, oh my goodness. Like, <laughs> I know, I did what, something. What was I thinking? But I left Johannesburg, my first time ever on a plane, landed in London, and it was just a completely different world. And we're talking, sorry, it, we're talking roughly 20 years ago, 20 something years ago. We're talking roughly 20 years or <laughs> 25, 26 years yeah. ago, yes. Yeah. And um, I was, I loved it. I really loved it. It definitely came with its challenges. Um, mm. I was exposed to things that was unreal to me, <laughs> things that yeah. I've never seen before or situations that I never have had to dealt before because yes. I'm a small town girl. But I loved it. And this is really where my love for traveling started. Mm. So I was in London for um, two years in total, literally within three weeks of landing in London. Um, I was working in this restaurant, very upscale restaurant in London. What, in fact, one of the oldest restaurants in London and, and very well known. And the management couple quit. And here I was, 18 years old, and they were like, well, you've got a lot of waitressing experience and restaurant experience. You're taking <laughs> wow. over the management. So I um, managed this beautiful restaurant for, for just over two years. But again, you know, I was a kid. <laughs> I mm -hmm. definitely didn't have the 
emotional intelligence that would have served <laughs> people as 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 I have today because I haven't had my awakening yet. Yeah, I was just like uh, wide eyed and bushy tailed, but that's where my my love for travel started. I came back to South Africa and just after the two years when my visa expired, and I just realized I wanted to do more. I wanted to see more. Um, but my work ethic has always been impeccable. Like I've always been like so driven. And um, if I had this, and I've carried this through my career, and you'll see this as I'm going on, that I carried my workaholism mm -hmm. as a as a badge of honor. Mm. Like that is what mm. gave me identity. That's what made me feel as if I'm good enough. I mm. had to be performed. I had to see, I always had to be at the top of what I was doing. Yeah. Long story short, I ended up uh, going to Mexico. In fact, I, when I was uh, young, I started reading very early and I love reading. I, I read this book by Ina Murray where this South African goes off to the Amazon and she meets this, like Amazonian <laughs> prince and fall in love and the world is just beautiful and everything is great. And I was like, all right, I'm going to the Amazon. And <laughs> luckily, and I don't know who this person was, but I'm so grateful for them because they said, Sifne, you don't speak Spanish. You're blonde. You're 18 <laughs> years old. Well, I was almost 20 at the time. You're 20 years old. And here you want to go to a country <laughs> which, you know, and I was like, I'm going to Guatemala. I could hardly even pronounce the word Guatemala. <laughs> and um, somebody suggested, why don't you go to Mexico? You know, go to Cancun because it's multicultural. Yeah. It's very, um, you know, people from all around the world and they speak English and, you know, you can learn your Spanish as you go. So that is what I did. And I ended up staying in Mexico and in Cancun for 12 years. I Shoot. landed, I was headhunted. I landed in the tourism industry and uh, worked for the largest tour operator in North America, overseeing all of Mexico and areas of the Caribbean. Again, at a very young age, like I would have to go to our head offices, which were in Milwaukee, and I was too young to rent a car. Yet mm -hmm. I oversaw tourism mm -hmm. of millions and millions and millions of people going from the States to Latin America. So again, at a very young age, had a lot of responsibility, but I loved it, absolutely loved it. And I got to travel literally 330 days a year during yeah, that time amazing. and got to see the world, which was incredible. But I missed home. It got to the point where... I just really wanted to be home amongst my people, speak my language, yeah. eat our food. I missed my parents and I decided to come back to South Africa. And just if I can step back a little bit, I have always been a very anxious child. Being in boarding school, I remember on Saturday nights or Sunday nights when I knew I had to go to school the next morning, I didn't sleep and I just had panic attacks. However, we didn't know what it is. We mm. didn't know what it was. Mm. And I just kept it in, in myself. I also was not a person to speak about my emotions and my fears and my insecurities. Um, coming back then from, from Mexico, I met my ex-husband. And um, it was very quickly, I, I went to Cape Town, 
uh, fell in love. This guy was absolutely amazing. And we got married 18 months later. Unfortunately, this was a very abusive marriage. And I'm talking physically, financially, sexually, emotionally, on all levels. And although the marriage itself didn't last very long, there's nothing that I knew after the marriage that I didn't know before. And yet, I was looking for that love. I was looking for that um, uh, validation yeah. outside of myself and not within myself. So long story short, I'd never spoke about the abuse. I didn't share it with anyone. Um, there was a couple of people in his family that I shared it with, and they didn't believe me at the time. And I was just very ashamed. So I lived with that, ended up in ICU several times. Yes. And eventually when I got out, I was very fortunate that I had people in my life who was there to support me when I eventually spoke up. And what that taught me is my silence did not serve me. Mm. My silence harmed me. Mm. Um, long story short, from there onwards, I started, I owned a, a global tour operator and I started again looking for this validation, putting everything into my work because that's how the world would see me. That's how the world would accept me. That's how the world would love me. Um, I am not going to be just average. I need to be extraordinary and I need to overachieve. And my work became my obsession. Like I didn't just want to be good. I didn't just want to have uh, happy clients. I had to be the best. Everything that I did had to be extraordinary. And I was diagnosed in 2018 with adrenal fatigue. And I was like, all right, I'm a mom. So I've, I am a mom to two amazing boys and married to Mark. We've been married now for about 10 years. Um, he's absolutely incredible. But what I did is I took that for granted and I didn't find my validation in myself or in my children or in my husband. Instead, I looked at it based on my performance yeah. and where I am um, on, a, on a professional level. The doctors told me it's adrenal fatigue. You need to slow down your life. Your hormones are going to go havoc. You are going to burn out. And I was like, well, any businesswoman who has high goals and who wants to get anywhere in life must probably have adrenal fatigue. So, you know, I'll just live with it. And I just carried on at the same pace. Um, very soon after that, I started getting extremely tired and headaches and emotional and but it's not just the tired that you feel from, all right, I didn't have a great night's sleep. I would have to, uh, would only be able to walk maybe 20 meters at a time. When I have to go upstairs, I would like take three steps at a time and then hold on to just to take a breath again. Sure. When I would get dressed in the morning and I would decide what I would wear, I would stand, in, I would open my closet. Then I would have to sit down because I'm out of breath and my legs were so tired that it couldn't carry my body weight. And I would sit on the ground and then I'll pick up what, what I would wear for the day. Sure. Um, so at this point, I went back to the doctor and they said, this is adrenal burnout. You actually have nothing left to give. Now you need to take things slow. 
I am probably, and my husband would most definitely agree with this, that I'm probably the most stubborn <laughs> woman <laughs> that he knows and one of the most stubborn that I know. And um, I just, again, carried on because literally three months later, COVID hit. I had staff all around the world and I felt so responsible for them. I mean, they had children, their families, they were all like family to me. And I, one after the other, was all these travel companies and all these tourism companies that were just closing their doors. And I did not want to be um, just another statistic. Now, this was my ego. This was not my soul because I wasn't feeding my soul. I was not listening to my soul. It was all about how other people see me and not me loving myself and be gentle with myself and healing myself. So in February 2021, again, at this stage, I was working around the clock. I had clients in Australia and New Zealand and Japan and then also in South America and the States and in, in Europe. And they, I just didn't sleep. They would sometimes be 72 hours where I wouldn't even go to the bathroom and ended up with bladder infections Jeez. because I just worked. And on the 24th of February in 2021, I was working, always thinking, well, it must be low blood pressure that I'm not feeling so great, which luckily I have a low blood pressure rather that than high. And it was around 10 o'clock in the morning. I was home alone. And I woke up literally like around three hours later, around one o'clock, and I, I was lying on the floor. And again, not taking care of my health, not putting myself first, just went, shame, that was, my blood pressure must be really low. I fainted for a long time. Sure. And I got up behind my chair and I carried on working, only to find out, and I'll come back to that a few months later, that I had a mild stroke. My body could not deal with what was going on. And sorry yes. to interrupt you. If we if we go back, you must have been roughly what, 42, 43 years old at the time? I was 43 at the time. And that's yes. very young, you know, to have a mild stroke. Sure. It's very young. Yes. Yeah. So again, carried on the way that I did. Focus, focus, focus. Um and it wasn't even that much was happening in the world. The world was shut down. Yeah, I yeah. could not so stressful. operate my, my, my business the way that I normally did. So what I started to do, because I've had 28 years of experience in this industry, I've, um, I started to give free training to travel agents for all around the world on everything from, you know, exactly every country about Africa, how to sell Africa, what are the selling points, you know, what... Um, Fine detail, like the distance between airports, how to get from our Tambo to Pretoria, mm -hmm. etc. And I trained literally thousands and found close to 10,000 agents during that time. Sure. And it was, again, an amazing experience. But I woke up on the 27th of July in 2021, paralyzed. I couldn't walk. I couldn't see or eat properly. I couldn't hear properly and I couldn't swallow. And we knew something is seriously wrong. So my husband took me to hospital. Again, it was quite a mission because of COVID. Mm -hmm. And I was, um, when I was 
then admitted into hospital, all these tests that were done. And the doctors told me that I had uh, lung cancer because oh. I had all these spots on my lungs. And, but they couldn't understand, they couldn't put one and one together of why my, I cannot walk because the scans all showed that everything was fine. Then they started to su suggest that I had um, brain cancer as well. And um, they said to me after 10 days, okay, you need to go home because we need your bed for COVID patients. But at that point, so you, couldn't, you, couldn't function. you couldn't function yet by that time. I couldn't function yet, no. Nah. So I was sent home and now I had all these scans knowing that I've got lung cancer or brain cancer or whatever. And I've, I send it to friends of mine who live in Cape Town. Um, I had quite a lot of medical friends. And I said, this is what they are saying. Um, just, I just like a second opinion. Mm. And my friend uh, came back to me and she says, if no, this is not lung cancer, please just go see a, pul a pulmonologist, which I did. I went, see a pulmonologist. And she said, I have pulmonary embolisms in my lungs and in my liver. So only about half my lungs were working and only, I would say about 30% of my liver. Went back into hospital under her guidance. Um, but still I was working with uh, all these neurologists trying to figure out what's, what, what's going on. What's the connection between my brain and my body that, that things are not working. Eventually, after a few weeks of treatment, uh, and I mean, the pulmonary embolism was uh, quite hectic at the time, but, and even though it is a serious disease, this was more serious, whatever was going on here. Eventually, I was sent home again, um, not knowing what, <laughs> what really is going on. And my mom came to visit me at the time, and my mom does have a um, a, a medium uh, medical background. She used to train um, like uh, uh, CPR for like the whole area where we lived when I was little. I still remember because I was there and the helicopters would come wow. with these fake wounds and stuff, which was awesome. And she came to take care of me. And about six days later, my husband just said he he doesn't know what to do because he keeps on checking with me like literally every 15 to 30 minutes at night to see if I'm still alive. Um, and then him and my mom would take turns. And after seven days, my mom just said, I'm waiting every second for you to not live anymore, for you to be dead. And she suggested that I go to a rehabilitation center where there are medical professionals that are able to take care of me, which is what I did. And again, it was COVID, so I wasn't able to see my husband or my children at all during this time. Sure. And I started with um, in the spinal unit where they started helping me with exercises to help me to walk again. But the situation didn't really get any better. Until I met a doctor, Dr. Pillay, Anisha Pillay, who was literally, she's, she's for me a lifesaver because she came to my room and apparently the neurologist from the hospital contacted her and said, this woman is there. 
we do not know what's going on. Uh, and, you know, I, we think it's all in our mind. Uh, it's, she just, she needs to get over it. And Dr. Pillay came and spoke to me. And within 15 minutes of speaking to me, she said, Zifne, there is nothing wrong with your brain. There's nothing wrong with your body. You have a very rare disease called functional neurological disorder. And this is caused by anxiety, stress, and trauma that we haven't dealt with. And I actually have goosebumps as I, as I talk about this because the next morning I woke up and I found myself in the bathroom, busy brushing my teeth, realizing I got there without my wheelchair. Oh, wow. That connection, just knowing that I'm not going crazy. (laughs) Just helped already. magical and And, you know also something that i have to say is during this time i have never sorry how long was that whole period that you didn't really have functioning four months wow four months yes during this time was my most intense conversations with god and i i absolutely just lived every day and every breath was just a breath of gratitude and even as I was lying there, I knew that I didn't listen to him because I've asked for the signs. God, please show me a sign. What should I do What with this travel business, with COVID? What should I do? Just give me a sign. And the signs would come one after the other. And I would simply ignore it. And I knew that was God's way of telling me, all right, girl, I love you, my beautiful daughter, but... You didn't hear, and now you need to feel. And I felt, for the first time, I really opened up to my emotions and to what is going on inside me. And I had to go through a huge awakening experience, an experience where I feel like you you get to the point where you are, right, this house is about to burn down, or I am going to be stuck and living like this forever my doctor said to me if 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 we don't deal with this right now and i send you home right now you'll be back here in three weeks or you will be dead in three weeks that is your that's your choice so i ended up staying there for quite a prolonged period of time and learning more about what this disease is and that's where i will i will come to because It is a very, very rare disease, a very rare disorder. So they say, I do not agree. Yeah. I I researched a little bit, sorry, and um, there's some statistics that they say here in the UK, it's basically the most common condition that you've never heard of, that there's an estimated 50 to 100,000 adults um, and 20,000 children just in the UK who have it with about extra 10,000 cases a year and that it makes up about 16% of the neurological um, diagnosis Um, and if you think Parkinson's is about 5% multiple sclerosis 3% so it's actually much more common but we don't hear about it yeah we don't we don't hear about it we don't hear about it so according to statistics there's only between four and 12 people out of a hundred thousand that okay. suffers from this disease. Oh, wow. Yeah. That sounds very little. 
That sounds very little. Yeah. And the 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 interesting thing is that, and that is also why I'm starting to work with not only the public to create awareness and for uh, family members who have somebody with this disorder, because doctors don't know about this. I would say out of one out of every 60 to maybe 65 doctors that I speak to have ever even heard about this disease. So there is a lot of awareness to be created here. And Liesl, I'm probably the luckiest FND survivor that I know. Sure. Most people either don't survive or they get stuck in this for 10 plus years in a wheelchair, unable to deal with this on a daily basis without people that really understand what is going on without um, everything, your brain works fine. There's nothing wrong with your brain. However, in many cases, the left-hand side of the brain does stop working. Uh, in my case, I mean, while I was in the in the um, rehabilitation center, I let you, I couldn't hold a pen. I couldn't. I had to learn to color in like a three-year-old or do like three-piece puzzles. Literally, one, two, three-piece puzzles. I couldn't sure. put that together. So I had to like retrain from scratch. But there are people that are stuck in this situation and with this disorder for the rest of their lives. So I am incredibly grateful for my journey. I am incredibly grateful that this happened to me Hmm. because it's changed my life for the better. And I'm incredibly grateful that I was able to get to the point where I am now, where I can help others Hmm. because and where I can create awareness about this and that I'm Mm -hmm. able, I'm one of the few that can live a normal life. There is very, very little known about this disease. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've researched so much. There is very, very little known about this. Um, And what is interesting is that it affects women more than men. Also, that uh, if you look at the female population, it affects African women more than pretty much any other culture. Mm-hmm. Reason being is as women, and especially African women, there is this thing that you are seen and not heard. Whatever is going on for you, deal with it. Don't talk about it. We keep everything in. And that is where that anxiety comes. And that is where that um, it's that buildup. That's a trauma. If we don't speak about trauma, our body holds on to things. And mm-hmm. if we don't deal with it, it will come out one way or the other. And whether you're in a bad relationship and you're going through a difficult time and you don't deal with it, mm-hmm. you will go into a next bad relationship. Or a next abusive relationship, if you don't take care of your health and you don't deal with it, that's what's going to happen. The same in the in the uh, your professional field is we need to deal with stuff. And I most definitely had to deal with not just months but decades of trauma that I haven't dealt with, that I haven't spoken about. 
sure. that I kept inside. And there was a lot of things that came up during this um, process for me. And I continued working with Dr. Poulet, who's a neuropsychiatrist. I kept on working with her. And there's stuff that came out that was so deeply buried and swept under the carpet that I just didn't deal that I didn't even remember. And I've got an incredible memory. I remember my crib. My earliest memories are from younger than 18 months old. So I have an incredible mm. memory, but certain things I just completely shut off. That's probably and the trauma. Yeah. The trauma, trauma that's with that. Yeah. Absolutely. So I really had to start dealing with this stuff. Mm. And it gave me freedom. And to be quite honest with you, Liesl, I was on this treadmill of my own design, like not feeling like a hamster on a wheel, not knowing how to get off, which I created myself because I wanted to get this, I've spoken about the validation from the outside. Mm. And having FND, functional neurological disorder, and uh, various other negative effects on my body, including like my hormones was like a disaster. Let's not even, <laughs> that's a whole new story. <laughs> And there was a lot of healing that physically had to happen in my body. But yeah. the healing had to happen on the inside. The healing, I had to dig deep. I had to unlayer all these layers of onion of, of, of a trauma and, and hurt in my life. And the incredible thing is, Every time I dealt with something and it was released, there was just freedom. It was just freedom. And that process has changed me completely. I am a completely different person now to what I was before. I am able to spend time with my family, with my husband, because I'm reprioritizing my life. I'm able to be there for my children. And I honestly feel like I've missed probably a good, well, a big part of their life because I was always working. And not that I'm saying having goals is not good. We all need goals. Yeah. But having boundaries mm. and having self-love, that is that is the gold. Yeah. That is freedom. And I'm just, in, I am so incredibly grateful for this journey. And I also believe God, and we hear this, God never puts us in a situation we cannot deal with and that we cannot handle. A lot of people go, I, Zif, I don't know how you got through that. I literally, it must have been like awful. Yes, it was, but I felt the one thing that I felt throughout was God's love. Mm. It was always by my side. And I'm incredibly blessed for that. Sure. There's so much in your story. Um, I think we realized just that, you know, the the things, the tough things that you have to go through is normally what delivers you to be able to mean so much for other people and and bring a message you know and I'm a firm believer in the last few years few years um that 
you know, the mind-body connection. We don't get taught that when we are younger. You know, you think of your mind, you think of your body, the outside, the inside. But the way that emotions and, you know, can have an effect on your body and the physical things that you see is so big. And this is absolute proof of that. You know, this was exactly what it was. You know, it's all of these feelings and trauma that went into your body and literally paralyzed you until you dealt with it. And I think that's one of the biggest messages that you have is like what you've just given, you know, is deal with it, deal with that trauma, deal with those things um, and and see the signs, you know, when, you know, I've made similar, not exact, not exact, not totally in, at, at the, your level, but roughly 10 years ago before I had my children where work was everything, 12, 16 hours a day, you know, and I was very close to a burnout I mean you literally had to go and look at your body and say stop because something's going to go really really wrong here and um you know it took a whole different mindset you know of having children and stuff to, to look at it differently and look at with life differently and to prioritize like you say like that's not the important things in life as you say do a good job you know go for your career have goals but you have to prioritize it and you have to still think of what is the most important thing and who's the most important things in your life and and prioritize that first um yeah sure safe now to go from total paralyzation to a beautiful <laughs> um dynamic individual again it's really amazing um where where can people find out more about it through all your research is there like a website or a good place where people can find out more about FND? Absolutely. So there is an incredible organization in um, in the UK called FND Hope. They are um, very, very active and creating awareness about this. In South Africa, if you're here, reach out to SADC, which is the South African Anxiety and Depression um, Organization, something like that, S-A-D-A-C. Reach out to them if there's any of these um, signs that you see or you just resonate with something here. Because FND is real. And if you struggle from anxiety, which, let's face it, ladies, most of us, we do. Mm. Anxiety is not the life that we were created for. When we are anxious and we struggle from anxiety, it's because our soul is out of sync with what is happening in life. And we are not in touch with our soul. And we live from a space of fear, not a space of, of love. You know, I've been also just incredibly blessed that I am currently um, a semi-finalist for Mrs. Universe Africa. And Amazing. I'm also a finalist for Mrs. Opulent, which is journeys and things that I would have never, ever done before. I was always so insecure. I was always so scared. I was always so afraid. And through this journey, I've been able to reconnect with myself on a completely different level. My, my word for, for this year is accountability to be accountable to myself and those around me and to be able to set boundaries because that is critical and to be able to look more at hum humanity. Like what does 
humanity really need. Like mm-hmm. we need to be kind. And I'm such a great fan of Brene Brown. Um, and, and one thing that she says that this is something that inspired me so much last year was never, ever negotiate your self-worth. Mm-hmm. You can negotiate mm-hmm. a contract. You can negotiate a business relationship, but never negotiate your self-worth. Mm-hmm. And that is what I have been doing Mm -hmm. for the majority of my life. And I am no longer doing that anymore. And I celebrate that. That's amazing. I I wish you all the best on those journeys um, that you have, because those are platforms to bring out this message. You know, that is exactly, I believe, why you are also in it, is to, to raise this awareness, you know, to raise how you can change as an individual and love yourself and bring the messages out to mean something else for people, you know, other people around you. Oh, um, Liesl, thank you so much. I, uh, I really appreciate it. I would love to, and in fact, yesterday, I, I found this poem that I would love to share. Oh, please. Because it is so incredibly inspiring and just resonated with me as a woman so much and i would love to share that oh, please um, do go ahead please do yes so this poem was written by dr shivani and please look her up she is incredible she has uh, written this incredible book called a radical awakening and i suggest that you read this book slowly i love audiobooks this mm. is a book you actually want to buy you want to highlight, you want to make notes, you want to create notes, you want to flip back. It is the most important, one of the most important messages and books that I have um, encountered. And the poem that she writes is called, There Comes a Time in a Life of a Woman. So I would love to read that to you. There comes a time in the life of a woman when she discards her old ways like tossed shoes in the garbage, when she shreds her list of shoulds and obligations, and when impossible expectations are burned in an incubator. There comes a time in the life of a woman when the approval of others, once jewels, now turns to pennies in her sock when the hunt for another is now replaced by a hunt for herself, and when potential tentacles of tradition no longer defines her truth. There comes a time in the life of a woman when her desire to fit in with a crowd dissolves, and when her manic compulsion to perfection vaporizes when her obsession to be voted popular eviscerates. There comes a time in a life of a woman when she simply says no more, when facade, artifice, and guilt leaves her as nauseated, and when righteousness, dogma, and superiority repulses her. There comes a time in the life of a woman when she no longer fear conflict, 
but faces it boldly like a lioness. When she guards authenticity as fearless as she guards her babies. And when she swaps the role of victim for the role of co-creator, there comes a time in the life of a woman when she abashly and boldly occupies her ultimate sovereignty, when she finally feels ready to claim her space in the world, and when she redefines compassion as equivocal self-love. There comes a time in the life of a woman when she finally releases her childlike dependencies on others, when she dares to rewrite her own mandate of living for herself, one that says, I release unworthiness and fear. I divorce civility and passivity. I divest inauthenticity and enmeshment. I end the pretense of being someone I am not. And from now on, I declare, I will ascend to my highest power. I will embrace my greatest autonomy. I will celebrate my deepest worth. I will embody my fiercest courage and manifest the most authentic me. The time is now. I am ready to awaken to my renaissance. And that is Dr. Shivali. Isn't it incredible? That is beautiful. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Oh, Zivne, um, I'm so grateful to have met you a few months ago because you are truly inspirational. And I honestly hope that your message and your awareness um, will go so far. And um, I wish you all the best for the different journeys that you go on. And I hope to stay in touch for many, many years in future to see the wonderful, inspirational work that you are doing. But most of all, you know, I think what I've got from getting to know you was this woman I could see who was just smiling and enjoying every minute of every situation. And to me, just that is inspirational. You know, you, I don't think all of us have to go through a journey where you basically almost lose your life or lose literally all the functioning in your body to realize that, you know, you can just come and tell us, just realize that, just realize that every day is a gift, even though things might not go exactly like you plan every day but every day is a gift and to make the most of it and if I look at you that's what I see thank you so much for taking the time I will put all the links from all those um, organizations and things that you've mentioned in the show notes if anybody wants to go and have a look at that or want to find out more information if people want to find you is it just your social media pages is that the best way to find you they can find me on my social media pages it's basically instagram is at zephne z-e-p-h-n-e there's not a lot of us in the world um (laughs) facebook i am at zephne.lifestyle and i also have a website www.zephne.com that is z-e-p-h-n-e.com Fantastic. Thank you. I'll put those on the show notes as well. 
Um, thank you so much, Lizzo, for this incredible opportunity. And thank you for the inspiration that you are and the message that you share and that you find these nuggets, these things that need to be spoken about and mm-hmm. that you're sharing it with the world. And I just love you so much. And I'm so grateful for your incredible friendship and the, the motivation and the inspiration that you are. Wow. And thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Good luck with everything you do. And thank you so much for your time. I wish you all the best. Thank you, Liesl. Have a great Bye-bye. day.